Hello, good one. Talk here a couple of Pacific waves from RNZ Pacific. Mikoroy Hawkins. Coming up. We are going to measure the concentration levels of all radionuclides before they are discharged into uh, water. In an exclusive interview, we speak with the Japanese company behind the country's planned release of more than 1.3 million tons of radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. And many people still perceive corruption is still a big issue within government and the private sector. We take a closer look at how the Pacific countries have fared on this year's Corruption Perceptions Index from Transparency International. But before we get into that, an important development in the Pacific Labour Mobility Front. Samoa will resume participating in New Zealand and Australian seasonal employer schemes this month, this coming after the government suspended all involvement in the schemes throughout the month of January. The temporary ban on seasonal workers going overseas was put in place while a new policy was being finalised. Samoa's acting Prime Minister, Tuala Tevanga Yosefo Bonifacio, says the policy addressed key areas in the programs which were of major concern and includes criteria for the selection of unskilled workers. From March, village councils, in collaboration with district councils in Samoa, will determine who will get seasonal work. It follows concerns that skilled workers were departing the country for greener pastures. But speaking about the new policy, a recruiting agent and founder of the Falealili Seasonal Workers Program, Toa Tangaloa Joe Annandale, says he would not feel good about restricting who got given seasonal jobs. Let's use a policeman for sake who probably gets about 10 tala an hour and he's talking to somebody who's a guy that's working his plantation who has been able to come over for six months to Australia and go back and buy himself a car and probably start building a home. And he's having this chat with the policeman who has been working now for probably 10 years and has not been able to afford those same things that this guy that's just bought himself. I, I couldn't, with a clear conscience, say to the guy, you're not sorry, you can't go because you've got a job here in Samoa. And this is what government is trying to say, that they're trying to restrict anybody that's employed in Samoa cannot go, should not be allowed to go. You can get the latest updates on this story on our website, rnzi.com. As calls for Japan to press pause on plans to release more than 1.3 million tonnes of radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean over four decades grow louder, the company at the centre of the release wants the world to know it is safe. Tokyo Electric Power Company, or TEPCO, hopes to put concerns to bed following an uproar from Pacific leaders. Our reporter Lydia Lewis spoke with TEPCO's Chief Officer for ALPS Treated Water Management, Junichi Matsumoto, through an interpreter. Matsumoto says he's confident in the process. How long have you been working for TEPCO and what was your reaction in 2011? Where were you and how much of an impact has the disaster had on Japanese people and your employees? So this is the year 37 for me. Uh, At the time of earthquake and tsunami on the 11th of March in 2011, I was working at Kashiwazaki Kariwa nuclear power station. 
あの時は この
there's such a big difference in your science and their science when they're saying there's just a lack of data. Uh, if I may share with you my own opinion, I don't think this comes from a lack of data. Rather, I think there is uh, insufficient knowledge or information provided to them in terms of the uh, ALPUS uh, dilution and discharge system that uh, TEPCO has prepared, including the uh, system itself and also the way we are going to operate the system. I think uh, we have not been able to communicate fully uh, about this system or facility. I think that is the reason for such a discrepancy of positions. Also, uh, the difference is seen in the following way, uh, particularly uh, in the case of PIF, they have a concern because uh, we do not know uh, the concentration of all the radionuclides in the treated water currently stored on the site. So uh, that is the source of PIF. However, TEPCO has been saying that we are going to measure the concentration levels of all radionuclides before they are discharged into uh, water. So I think the fact that uh, we do not know all the concentration level of all the uh, radionuclides uh, in tank at this point in time, uh, I don't think that is a, a problem uh, as far as we are concerned, but I think that is where we see uh, such a discrepancy between us and PIF. And also, since PIF countries are surrounded by the ocean, therefore, uh, in the first place, uh, they have a uh they, they they see a problem in the method itself that is a discharge of water into the ocean so perhaps they have uh the the they, they have seen such a, a method as a problem in the first place and actually this is also uh regarded as a problem by some uh in japan as well and uh, uh, TEPCO, as well as the government of Japan, uh, considers uh, it is necessary to uh, uh, deal with the uh, treated water as we have planned in order to steadily uh, make a progress in decommissioning of Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power station. And uh, in order to make a steady progress in decommissioning, over the past several years, the committees uh, within the government of Japan have been vigorously discussing what would be the best way to handle Alps-treated water. If it is safe, why not move the water or release the water on land in Japan? And uh, actually, before the uh, decision of government-based policy, uh, the uh, discussion uh, like the one you have just raised in your question uh, had taken place, actually. And there have been uh, committee meetings hosted by the government, including experts, over the period of six and a half uh, six and a half years, and they have come to a conclusion that of all uh, these alternatives uh, discharge into the sea is most realistic uh, method. Are you confident 
that you have been transparent with the Pacific Islands Forum and given them all data and answered all questions in a timely manner. They are not happy with it. They have their concerns, but are you confident in what you have provided and your responses? Uh, I think there is a challenge. Uh, that is to say, we need time for translation from Japanese to English. However, uh, we believe that TEPCO has been very sincere and earnest in responding to questions we receive and also uh, responding to uh, requests for uh, including a request for data submission and so forth. Having said that, it is important how the recipient of such information and data, namely PIF, would feel and consider in relation to a response. Therefore, we would like to continue to make effort to uh, respond to their inquiries and also address uh, requests for data submission and other requests going forward. The Pacific Islands Forum and its scientists maintain there is no scientific proof that the operation is safe, while Japan maintains it is safe and says it's working to provide sufficient proof. The Tokyo Electric Power Company, which owns the power plant, says it's preparing a response to the forum's request for more information alongside the government of Japan. The government of Japan and the Pacific Islands Forum leaders are to meet in Japan on Tuesday next week, February the 7th, over the matter. There is still no confirmed release date. Anti-Corruption Global Agency, Transparency International, has released its Corruption Perceptions Index for 2022. The index ranks 180 countries and territories based on their perceived levels of public sector corruption, scoring on a scale of zero, which is highly corrupt, to 100 for very clean. Pacific countries such as Fiji, Papua New Guinea and Vanuatu scored between 30 and 53, while New Zealand scored at 87. Susana Suiswiki spoke to Jofiliti Veikoso, chairperson of Integrity Fiji, about the index and what it means for Pacific countries. If you take in New Zealand and Australia, um, for New Zealand, I think if you look at the whole thing, they uh, have been as one of the key people who is one of the least corrupted countries. So um, it was ranked second out of the 180 countries. However, they had dropped by one. Um, and in Australia, they were ranked um, 70. Sorry, if I just go through this. Australia was ranked around 13 out of 180 countries. And they were... They had seen that they had increased since the 2021 uh, uh, release of the Corruption Perception Index. But if you come to the small island countries, in Vanuatu, uh, we were ranked, uh, Vanuatu was ranked around 60 out of 180 countries, which have seen an increase that they've, um, because of the amazing work that Vanuatu has been doing. Um, and in Solomon Island, um, they were ranked 77 out of the 180 countries. They had dropped from the 2021 Corruption Perception Index. Papua New Guinea um, was ranked 130 out of the 180 countries, uh, which is also one quite concerning, and they had also dropped uh, by one. And interestingly for Fiji as well, we were ranked 49 out of 180 countries, 
which has seen a drop from two places from uh, 2021 to the 2022 uh, Corruption Perception Index. Mm. I mean, there's been a lot of political developments in the past year within the Pacific, and mm-hmm. with um, Fiji you know, having a new coalition government in place, do you think this will improve the country's rankings? You know, Susan, we, 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 many of us, we really applaud the new government for committing to repeal many undemocratic laws and measures taken by the previous government. Um, we see for the past few days, there's been a lot of uprooting of a lot of uh, corruption cases. Um, however, we, we still urge... Um, we still, it doesn't stop the integrity feature from still continuing to hold government to account to keep them on their toes. Um, we know we, we urge them to still to prioritize the strengthening of anti-corruption efforts. And this includes the, the Fiji Independent Commission Against Corruption, which is the five gap. Um, yes, Fiji's score in the 2020 CPI fell by two points since last year. But we, we believe that if we work with our stakeholders, with government, with media, with the private sector, and other civil society organizations, we could uh, work together to curb corruption and then to create more advocacy work. Yeah? Um, but we also do understand that the, that the, that the, the People's Alliance Party, who is part of the new uh, government coalition, had uh, intended to remove FICA as part of the 100 days into office plan. And I also understand that the Prime Minister yesterday had announced, in part of his, as part of his public announcement, mentioned that it's not going to be very easy for them to completely take out FICAC, um because it's, it's part of the Constitution. It's mandated uh, in our Constitution to have an independent body. And I guess we, we would like to really reemphasize that um, having anti-corruption agencies are key to the fight against corruption, and this is recognized under the, the United Nations Convention Against Corruption, the UNCAC, and Fiji is one of those countries that have adopted to this, uh, to this particular treaty. So I think it's very key that they need to be kept, but maybe just really looking at their roles and the fully independence of the of the. Of the of the FICAC, which is the anti-corruption agency here in Fiji. What's next? I mean, does this is this index taken seriously by government leaders? Um, I think this is uh, you know this is uh, Transparency International having putting up many of these reports. Um, it's been globally used by by academic institutions, by academia. I think it's um, the report is not to. It's just is is an opportunity to ring us alarm as to where we are, and to keep us on our toes in terms of strengthening our advocacy efforts. We may have increased, but how can we do better? Um, and I think it's very important that uh, whilst doing this, we need to get a lot of uh, public opinions as well, um, because what we saw in the Pacific was many people still perceive corruption is still a big issue within government and the private sector. How do we bridge that gap? Um, how do we ensure that our people who have put us into power trust us in every decision that we are making, that we are being transparent in 
in uh, government processes, in procurement, in salaries or whatever. Um, but I think that that's something that we need to uh, just get uh, the most vulnerable people being uh, part of the process. That's specific waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Looking for next week more.